Hey friends, welcome to the Thursday episode of the Unseminary Podcast. Super excited about today's podcast, all about urban church planning. It's really, it's fantastic. Love it, love it, love it. Listen, if your church is growing, you no doubt are coming to the place where you're going to need some great clear audio. You're going to need lighting, video streaming, that kind of thing to make your church go forward. Maybe you're looking at building a new building or launching a multi-site or doing something new, planting a church. You are often thought that you're going to be caught in this dichotomy between either spending millions of dollars that frankly you don't have in your budget or not getting what you need by not spending enough and and really not having the right people on this task. House Right are the people I want you to talk to. Houseright.com. Matt McKay and his team have been able to really thread this needle of finding exactly what you need to listen to you, to not say, hey, this is what we think, but really to listen clearly to what you want and to do it within your budget. Uh, Matt's started as a volunteer, went on staff at a, as a church at a technical director's built buildings, built teams, has done it in your seat now. He's taking all of that expertise and applying it to churches like yours to really help you deliver it. Audio, visual, lighting, uh, whatever it is you need on the technical side. What I want you to do is go to housewright.com forward slash unseminary today. Audio, video, lighting, acoustics, consult, design, installation, they do it all. If you just need a piece of equipment, they can do that. No church is too small. They work with church plants, portable churches, churches that don't even exist, uh, churches of a hundred in small remote areas. They'll do it all, but no church is too big either. This is what makes them unique. Most of their clients or many of their clients are on outreaches list of the fastest and biggest churches. If you want to get going right away quickly, or if you think you need something up and going in the new year, reach out to them. These guys are for you. Listen, housewright.com forward slash unseminary. Love for you to check them out. All right, let's jump on with today's episode. Let's go. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in today. You're going to be rewarded for that. Super excited for today's conversation. Uh, A chance to talk with Scott Ancaro. He is a, a church planner, really a leader that I'm looking forward to us learning from, from Baltimore, Maryland, uh, from the Foundry. Scott, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Rich. Uh, Grateful to be with you. Why don't we start with you kind of telling us a little bit about yourself, about the church. If people were to come this weekend, give us a, a bit of the history, that sort of thing. Tell us about the Foundry. Sure. Uh, well, we launched uh, as a church six years ago next week. Uh, six mm. years. Crazy. That, how, how quickly <laughs> how that went. How fast it goes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, six years old, and, and we planted in downtown Baltimore. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of the, the stadium districts, uh, just urban, you know, kind of core of the city. And, uh, and that was after a, kind of a two-year journey planting another church in Annapolis, Maryland, mm-hmm. uh, which is Maryland's mm-hmm. capital, where they, they sent us out. That we, we kind of planted pregnant on launch Sunday, said we're having a baby church in Maryland. We don't know where. And so um, just uh, was blessed by that open-handedness. And so, yeah, six years ago, uh, next week, church was born in downtown Baltimore called The Foundry. Yeah. Why don't you give us a sense of kind of the church? Like, what are your services like? Where are you meeting at? That kind of thing. Give us a bit of a flavor of the church. Yeah. So, so the first five years that we met as a church, we actually met in a banquet hall um, with like eight foot ceilings and a kind of weird purple light that kind of uh, could come on and and light the ceiling in a strange way. 
Um, but, but, but it overlooked the harbor and it had parking. I think I've been to that place. I think we've all been to that hall. Yeah, right? yeah. And, <laughs> and it, was a, it was a great spot for us. And then just kind of through some relationships that came about um, in, in a year ago-ish, uh, a church in our neighborhood decided to uh, close its doors and sort of aim to be relaunched out, of, wanted to relaunch a new church in the space. And so... Mm. Not through a direct relationship with us initially, but through um, brothers and sisters uh, at another church, uh, invited us to kind of come in and occupy the space and uh, move into this church built in 1890, uh, wow. this beautiful church on one of our neighborhood parks. And so, kind of said that to get where, to where we are now, it took three churches sort of working together. One that had a vision beyond the it, it, itself, you know, for the legacy of the church. One to mm-hmm not want to, um, you, you know, either move into the space or turn a profit from the space, and, but, but to utilize a resource in the community uh, where they didn't own, pro- where they didn't have a, where they owned property now, but didn't have a congregation. And then for us mm. to, to come in and sort of um, just be incarnationally present as we had been the previous five years. Um, so yeah, kind of three churches working together there uh, to, to give us a, a permanent home in the neighborhood, which is such an answer to prayer. And one of the biggest, I think, tensions of when we talk about city planting um, mm-hmm. that we're talking about. So we've got this you know, new congregation worshiping in a, in a very historic space uh, built in 1890. So that kind of does kind of fit the, the, the mood and the vibe of what we're trying to, to go for, sort of the, the historical roots of our faith, but with those new wineskins that sort of help us, you know, how do we express this hope today? Um, mm-hmm. But I, but I do love that visual of like trying to imagine all the prayers that have been prayed in this room for 135 years. Um, mm-hmm. they, you know, that, they, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's so cool. There's so much about this story that I, I love, and I'm just excited to pull apart and learn a little bit more of, maybe we'll start with the kind of the urban church planning part of this equation. So uh, again, I, I could be uh, just the guy that doesn't know anything, but it seems like, which is probably true, but it seems like when I hear about church planting, really a lot of times I hear folks planting in the suburbs or planting in kind of fast growing communities, but you've, uh, you're doing something, you're in the midst of something that really is quite unique. Why, why don't we start with, you know, is that assumption true? Is, is it just true that there seems to be a lot of happening in the suburbs as opposed to the city? And why is that? What, what, what is driving that dynamic for uh, many church planters today? Yeah, sure. I, I do think I, I do think that we're, when we, we wanted to plant a church, I have, I have a really unique story uh, in that I had someone really breathe courage into us and say, hey, you know, as, as a youth minister in Indianapolis, you know, sort of breathe some courage into us and say, hey, the Northeast, where you come from, uh, the Mid-Atlantic, you know, more specifically, mm-hmm. is is not a place where there's tons of churches and where, or where there's tons of churches that are thriving and growing. And so what if we commissioned you, sent you out? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's stepping into that world. It was over a decade ago. Uh, I think the conventional wisdom from those that were kind of doing the work of equipping church planters was to sort of find that fast growing population center. Um, and, and, and really just with a conviction of stewardship, probably, uh, how can we, how can we care for the most people with practical amounts of tools and equipping and um, mm-hmm. and sort of have a contextual understanding of those spaces when you're going in different states and, and whatnot. And, and I think what happened in our region is we, as we moved to Annapolis and we started to, to kind of be able to spend a day a week just exploring and, and kind of breathing the air of church planting in Maryland, I think what we saw was 
was that there was a lot of like, there was kind of a donut around the city as it related to, to church planting, meaning that there were some great churches planted on the periphery of the city. Um, but when they had this dense expression of people made in the image of God, where there, there hadn't been as much, it wasn't, there wasn't any, it's just that there wasn't as much um, emphasis placed on kind of getting to the, the city center. And, uh, and, and so I think that was sort of, you know, again, it was, I think it was a well-intentioned let's, let's begin with where we have some ability to, to have some stewardship. And, right. and because this is a harder go to get in, um, it's more expensive. It's, it's hyper transient. How do we sustain it? I think some of the same tensions we're asking and dealing with today, uh, were the very reasons why initially it, it sort of didn't, it wasn't kind of the initial push, um, maybe that we were kind of given. Um, sure. but I think in the past 10 years, I've also seen that change a lot. I've seen, um, I've actually talked to some friends that, that are now kind of going, Hey, can you tell people that rural communities matter? <laughs> can you tell mm. people the suburbs still matter? Because there is sure. sort of a, a, a kind of a trendy moment, I think because of the, the influence of, of Dr. Keller and, and a lot of great city centered, uh, planters, uh, really mm-hmm. kind of sharing the conviction of the city uh, and the sure. importance of the city. So. So, yeah, but at the time for us, it was we just kind of saw like there was kind of a moment that our, our networks and our people had planted really great, healthy churches on the periphery of the, the city mm-hmm. center. And, and I think we were well postured then to come in with with appropriate amounts of support and mm-hmm. financial help and coaching, which I think is one of the maybe the, maybe the big reasons why um, it's really hard to plant a church in the city, because those things are quite hard to find sometimes. Right, just harder to come by. One of the things, um, as a you know, an outsider, just kind of watching and um, you know, observing the foundry, is it seems like the idea of you know mobilizing your people to make a difference for the city to get them out into the community um, is a, is a part of what's happening at the foundry. Is that true? It seems like that. Maybe I'm misreading that, but it seems like that. And and how is that a part of what you're doing? How do you see that as kind of an an integral part of of what God's birthing in your church? Yeah, it, it's certainly. I mean, it's maybe for us our biggest front door. Um, and and I think that was birthed out of uh, you know in Baltimore. You've got this. Um, you know, when people move here, there's obviously there's a lot of conversations about like how to make a difference, how to how to thrive, how to find yourself, you know, it, kind of all those things. And I mean, for us, and even the most um, maybe the most, you know, non-religious person sort of has those those impulses. I think it's kind of what we were made for. Right. We would say that's mm-hmm. we're, we're wired that way to sort of know that we're kind of called to a bigger story. And, uh, and, and for us, we kind of began with the conviction is how do we, how do we care for a community that didn't really invite us here? You know, it, you mm. know, they, 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 oh, they, that's, they good. that's good. I like that. <laughs> they wanted Starbucks, you know, they wanted the Chipotle <laughs> down the street, but, yes. um, but you know, the idea of a new church, um, to the average person in our neighborhood is like, well, we've got church buildings. Why do mm. why do we need another church? And so, mm. um, and yet you have this litany of of needs and hurts and and celebratory things happening in any um, any city. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so for us, we kind of said, hey, let's let's lead out of this idea of uh, just impact in terms of let's let's let them see the visible church, um, mm. active and engaging, mm-hmm. faithful to the things that uh, we say that we care about. 
And, mm-hmm. and over the years, that's just kind of become, I think, our biggest front door, kind of tapping into that impulse that uh, that people have and helping them, mm-hmm. you know, it, you know, kind of, um, you know, it's it's not the, you know, where where maybe it, it, earlier in my in my youth ministry days, going on an experience trip or doing a day of service would have been like you, you're pretty connected to the church by the time you you signed up for something like that. Now we're finding that folks are coming to those kinds of things before they're ever crossing foot in our church, before they mm. even come to a worship service or listen to me preach. They, 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 they donate toys to drives that we're doing. They come pack food for us. They, they come out and, and show out in the community and places where we are. Um, mm-hmm. And that's been and that's been both for engagement in our church, but then also just kind of helping build relationships in our community. I think maybe one of the most impactful ways in which we've been able to incarnate ourselves into the city. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing this, you know, this uh, is, is, it's not just a trend, it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're seeing a lot of churches that are engaging in this. And I think there are still some that are, um, you know, dragging their feet a little bit on this, this community service issue. And they're, they're not really, um, they may pay lip service to it. They don't actually kind of operationalize it on. So why don't we give a little bit more detail, give us some sense of some of the types of things that you've done to say, Hey, we want to actually, again, I love that, uh, serve the community when they weren't asking for us. Um, you know, how, what were some of those things that you've actually done? Some examples of that, what, what does that look like for you? Yeah. So we, we, I think we kind of had to put our, our money where our mouth was, you know, like in terms of what you're saying, because I think like, in the complexity of of trying to disciple people, right? We're we're always trying to to fill them with more head knowledge and information and and community because those things are so important. And 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 mm-hmm. I think so. What we had to learn is if we weren't calendaring for it, if we weren't putting aside um, mm-hmm. effort and resources of time, it it wouldn't happen. And so mm-hmm. so a couple of those expressions that and some of them were just pre-launch things that really kind of took off and took root. We, we cancel our gatherings uh, two Sundays a year. Uh, one to sort of do kind of an all hands on. Come on, you can't do it. Just one second here. Let's underline yeah. this. You cancel church. Come on. Yeah, we, we <laughs> really? do. We do. That's amazing. Um, okay. And then you, and what do you do with people when you, when you're not meeting and, and praying and singing, what, you, know, what are you right? doing? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, we, we, so we, we moved to over to an elementary school and we partner mm-hmm. with an organization called generosity feeds and uh, mm-hmm. we package uh, meals for, for hungry people in our city for food insecurity in our city. And so it becomes this teachable moment about food insecurity and some of the realities, but it also becomes this moment. um, You know, sometimes cities can be so hyper segregated by class um, and just, just socioeconomics. And so there's this, this impulse to know, I know I should do something about that, but I don't know what to do. And I think there, there's a real opportunity for the church to sort of go, well, what better place than the church to, to bring mm. parties together. Um, mm. And so over the years, they, that, that started for us just kind of with a, a first year going, hey, let's just show people this is our DNA. And then, um, and then what we began to find was that even partners that we were serving other times of the year in, in mission, you know, uh, sports leagues that we support, PTOs, that they want to come and serve. And, and so it became mm. not just an opportunity to you know, it was initially an opportunity to, to, to care for people that were in food insecure, but then it became a way to care for people that we're caring for in terms of opportunities mm. to serve. So that's probably our biggest one. And over the course of the, the past few years, we've, we've packaged about 75,000 meals 
Um, wow. It, it, it just with the, the kind of this, uh, just add water rice kit thing, but we, we work with other partnerships in our city to get those in the hands of food pantries that are caring for food insecure families. And, um, and then, and then we kind of decided that that's a really big event as you can kind of imagine mm, now yeah, at this point, it's really it's kind ton, of yeah. taken off. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, but, but then we wanted to see just a little more of a micro kind of neighborhood expression. And so just this past year, we, we did something for the first time. It was an experiment, but, uh, and moving into a facility, one of the things we kind of kept saying was this doesn't mean arrival. This doesn't mean mm. that like we, we didn't do all these things for five years because we were just hoping someone would feel compelled to give us permanent space so that we didn't have to set up and tear down anymore. And so we, we kind of, uh, we, we canceled our Sunday gathering and then scattered throughout the city in kind of a um, just just micro impact. You know, where are pockets where three or four people are maybe more helpful than fifty people or four hundred mm-hmm. people, right, and right. Uh, and and that was a really neat day too. It was a, a, a very labor intensive thing in, in in its own right, but uh, <laughs> right. to kind of scatter and mobilize the church to be present um, in many different locations. And so th- those are two ways for us that that we just kind of said, hey, we've got to get that on the calendar. Um, and then, so that's been a conviction. I think the other one I'm, I'm, I'm probably most excited about, and, and this mm-hmm. is just, we, a couple of years ago, you know, the, the tension of a new church is always like, oh, vacation Bible school, right? <laughs> like something that like has this tried <laughs> right. and true, like, you know, yes. mission partners are willing to come in and coordinate it for you. Um, you, you know, your, your community that is, is really excited many times about like, if nothing else, just the drop off. <laughs> opportunity yes. yes yes but but man coordinating something like that is just such an undertaking and a couple of years ago um our children's director at the time she said uh hey you, you know what what if we did uh, a vacation bible school-esque program that matched our core value of service and we mm. did like a service camp for kids in the city because one oh, of the things that's cool yeah so one of the things we heard from people when we did our big food packing event was that um, what they liked about it was that kids three and up could be a part of it. And a lot of families were saying to us, you know, there's so many places where, you know, you gotta, you, you just can't go serve as a family. And uh, so the mm-hmm. kids don't get, they obviously get the, the influence of mom and dad and the, the core values that they have and bring to the, the table. Um, mm-hmm. but, but they don't get an opportunity to tangibly serve. And so we did this, this, you know, we just began as like a couple hours a day, uh, vacation Bible school esque program that we called kids for the city, which was really rooted in creating experiences for kids to live on mission in their neighborhood, you know? Um, so cool. Yeah. It was some, you know, cause like growing up, I didn't grow up in the church, but when I started to engage as a teenager with church and youth group, you know, I had this compartmentalized picture of mission as it's probably a lot of us do. Um, but, but we just, we uh, just loved that. Like our, our kids director was like, Hey, let's take this thing. That's a, the, it's something people have an impulse for in our neighborhood and, mm-hmm. and let's really contextualize it to our core values and really then create an opportunity to disciple kids through helping them understand that they're made to serve, that they're made to, uh, to care for others and, and where to find the fuel to do that, you know, in the gospel. So, um, that's become like an all day program and it's really taken off for us too. It's, it's just such a, it, I'm, I, I love that program and I love what, uh, that's been able to to do for, for families and kids. It's been neat to see. 
Yeah, that's amazing. What were some of the kind of service projects that they did for, uh, during Kids for the City? What were the kinds of things just to kind of maybe stir people's imagination a little bit around that? I love that idea. Yeah, sure. Um, so we've it's 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 rotated every year based on just the partnerships that we have. Um, but there's we've got a really great it's it's an organization called Paul's Place. That's not a it's not a homeless shelter, but it's a it's an it's an organization that works with people who are homeless with all kinds of services. So anything mm-hmm. from getting an ID to getting some clothes, and they've got some great on ramps for kids. Uh, they do a th- like kind of a essentially like a free store, like a clothes closet type of thing. Mm-hmm. But they the, the kids got to be there's one day, and they've done this every year, and it's kind of the highlight for our kids. Actually, they get to be like assistant shoppers to mm. uh to men and women who are shopping and just kind of mm-hmm. hey carry these clothes I'd, you know just kind of be the kid like they're hauling another kid's yeah. putting out more shirts as, as they're getting taken up that's kind of the highlight that's the one they look forward to every year but we've got an employment training center uh that we work with um that employs um at-risk teenagers and so we get an opportunity mm-hmm. to take our kids over there and work with the teens and, and creating some projects in the community some community development that they're doing in their neighborhood. We've done a cookie decorating for first responders. Um, they've made oh, ornaments cool. and, and uh, did kind of like, uh, I mean, one year it was sort of, uh, you know, they made these ornaments and then sold them um, at like a local coffee shop. And the proceeds of that went to a particular mission that uh, they were talking about that year. Um, yeah, it was, it, it's, it's been, and then this past year, even just some being on the park, you know, being Mm -hmm. a place where the kids play, um, you know, it's, it's so baseline, but like going through the neighborhood and the neighborhood park and picking up trash was a part of that day. It wasn't all Mm -hmm. of that day just Mm -hmm. to kind of set that like, Hey, as as followers of Jesus, let's have creation care. Let's begin to think about, um, instead of just being indignant that someone left their trash, let's, uh, let's maybe take some strategic times and do that. So yeah, those, those have been some of the different projects that kind of have made it in and out throughout the years, uh, depending on the, on the year and just how the opportunities align. Yeah. I love that. I think that's just so, that's such a cool thing. Well, changing, uh, you know, kind of changing area of conversation a little bit. Um, you know, I think one of the things that all of us struggle with, you know, in church leadership is, you know, how do we know if it's working or not? What, you know, what is it that we're saying, Hey, yes, this is what we're aiming for. How are you measuring that? So many times I think in, you know, the church world, we end up just covering kind of nickels and noses, how much money came in, how many people are sitting in our seats. How are you thinking about that? How are you thinking about kind of, how do you measure success? What is actually, uh, working for you and, and how is that impacting, um, or is or how is that impacted in the fact that you're in an urban context? How how is that relating to, um, you know, how you think about success? Yeah, I think that's a great question because because I think that one of the tensions of urban planting in general is sort of the the mystery of the scorecard, right? Like, what does success mm. look like? Um, you know, a lot of organizations have a sustainability model that's based on a couple of a couple of years. You raise a bunch of money over a couple of years, mm-hmm. but Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps you're in a, in a place where the, the median income, in the context that God's called you to is way under that, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. maybe under the poverty line. And so what does sustainability look like in our context? And so, so for us, um, some of the tensions I think we live with is that our, our church is turned over, you know, we're in a transient urban neighborhood. And so we have to embrace the reality of, of 
sending. They're, they're going to go whether we send them out or not. <laughs> uh, that's, <laughs> right, right. That's just part of our reality. So in terms of, 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 of church growth, we tried to think more in terms of guests engaged in the course of a year. Um, mm. you know, how many first time guests can we get into the room? Because we understand that every year we've got about 25% turnover, um, to consider. So like this idea of like, uh, you know, sometimes you can look at the, you can look at the numbers year over year and you're like, how do we only grow by like five or six people? Cause it feels like there's a completely new community right. of people <laughs> gathered right. in this room. So like, that's a, that's a, that's a number that helps us kind of track and remember that, that reality of, of the transients mm. that exists in, in our neighborhood. Um, we, we count hours served. Um, mm. so like we just, because we wanted to, again, um, just sort of put in our mind and it's a really muddy thing to know how to, I mean, we're guessing on some level uh, and it right. doesn't get in the weeds with like every person who does a mentoring program that we don't know about that's mm-hmm. influenced by our DNA, but just in terms of collected people hours of, of service, I think the first time guest one was, is, is one that we're, we're looking at. And then the number of hours served uh, was, was one that, that really we kind of looked at as, as just sort of distinctives that sort of helped us frame in our scorecard, because I think that's one of the yeah, tensions like that. of, of living in a city and planting in a city is just, you know, it's so expensive. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so like the idea of space, you know, that, that, you know, the reality is I could want to, you know, it, it's hard soil, but, but like this isn't to make excuses. We're not trying to make excuses or have subpar ministry, um, systems or strategies. I think it's just a reality of like, uh, even if we could gather 500 or 600 people in, in our neighborhood, where on earth would we put them and how on earth could sure. we afford <laughs> to put them there? Um, right, right, right. More than just, uh, you know, so it makes us think through being a reproducing church, um, mm-hmm. It makes us think through how do we, you know, we just helped a year ago launch a church on the north side of our city. We want to be oh, committed cool. to, to church planting in our city um, mm-hmm. in, in that sort of replication, part of the different models and modes that might exist there. Um, and I think a lot of churches say that's that's a scorecard or that's a core value. But part of the reason why for us it is, is because because I, I don't know how else we, again, like it's that idea of like when you're, when you're looking at the expense and the locations and the tightness and the density, those, those things just become really important things for us to consider. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think just with that, I, I, I and I'll just going to maybe speak a little bit vulnerably, I think in, in some of the middle years, I mean, we're six years in and I can sort of see that with joy. Um, mm-hmm. and I, and I, and it's, and it, even when we were moving into the neighborhood and we were raising funds and we were talking about what God might do here, uh, we prepared our partners for the reality that urban ministry doesn't look exactly the same, you know, when you're bringing diversity right. of socioeconomic story and, and ethnicity and you you, you know, just density and all that. But, but, you know, I did feel like in the middle years, I let some of my joy be stolen by comparison. By that, mm. like, I, you know, how do I, how do I know I'm doing a good job? How do I know if we're making it when with a 25% turnover, we could be sustainable this year and then next year, oh my goodness, we're really grinding it out. Like sustainability this year doesn't mean that the next five years are assumed, um, you know, that we, or that we wouldn't have to do things differently to sustain ourselves financially. 
Um, mm. and, and so really, I feel like in the middle there, um, there was just something I, I've just felt a sense of conviction about in year, in year four and five, just this idea of like, hey, it's incumbent on me, it's incumbent on our management team, it's incumbent on our, our leadership to really sort of be confident in the things God has called us to do here. Um, and to not lose and to be th- th- then we can celebrate when God's doing amazing things in the suburbs and not feel like we have to have sour grapes about that. Um, sure. You know, um, or we get to, you know, because we get to we get to do things that uh, mm-hmm. we get to experience things and we get to be present for things that uh, that may not be part of the story of the church down the street. And uh, yeah. Well, I love that. And I, and I appreciate your vulnerability there. I think anybody who has journeyed in church leadership for a while, at some point you have to come uh, to reconcile, you know, church attendance. And what does that mean about you? And like, it does that, what does that, you know, what does it do to your soul by, by staring at those numbers? And, um, you know, like I've, I've had, um, you know, friends of mine, good friends of mine as that are like, Hey, I just need to take a break from the the reports on the like where are we at year over year attendance. <laughs> like I just like I'm not sure it's doing good things for my uh, you know hey it's good for us to track that stuff, but I need to take a step back because this season for you know one reason or another. And and I, you know I think that's good. I think it's astute to you know to recognize that and to just have you know frankly you know open conversation about that. I'd love to get back to those two metrics just for a second to hear how it is that you're tracking those because I think there could be people who are are listening in and are like, "Oh, that I like the idea of tracking new year guests." Um and I personally I think that that's interesting because that 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 number is actually the number whenever I'm doing coaching with churches, that's actually the number I'm more interested in, so I'm I'm intrigued by that. And then uh like regardless of the size of the church and then the hour served. Give us a sense of how you're actually tracking that? Um, what what does that look like? How, how are you you know collecting that data? That that kind of thing. What does that look like? Yeah, I think with the with first time guests, we're still on some level like trying to figure out as most churches are like what is that? How do you how do you, what is the quickest path to shortening that gap? With uh, hey, I slipped into the back of the room and then I filled out the information received. <laughs> yep, yep, <laughs> I, I yep, yep, like yep. We're all trying to solve that problem, and uh, we could devote a whole series of podcasts to that. And, yeah. and, uh, and so that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of how we're getting the information we're, we're looking at our, our connection cards. We always know that like cards received is, is the, the number we're using to track. And it's always a more conservative number than is our reality. Um, mm. but trying mm. then to work with our, our operations folks and our frontline team to say, how do, how do we expedite that process? Do we need to right. move to more of a digital platform? Do, you know, we just found that we got better engagement just mo- more recently, um, with where we moved people uh, hospitably in the room, and you know, mm. um, that th- there were certain parts of the room that, like, just you know, or certain times, you know, it feels like a guest is the only person ever who's on time at our church. It's <laughs> <laughs> so true, right, dude? That is so true. You know, so, <laughs> very true. <laughs> so for our frontline people, it's like you know, where a lot of teams can still be kind of finishing up and. And, and tweaking this thing or that thing, the production guys might be able to be backstage and kind of working through the chorus of a song one more time, What you know, just to polish it up. Like, that's where we need them to be on. And that's some of the best, like, gathering of information. Um, we, we do a first-time gift for, for folks, which I'm sure a lot of churches do. Um, just another thing that's worked really well that we just uh, – it has just happened the other day. We, we gave people the gift like to kind of carry on their person. We do a gift card to a local mm-hmm. restaurant to celebrate small businesses in our community. And right. um, 
and, and we just said, instead of making them come to the table, why don't you carry cards and the gift with you? Mm. Like, and that may have been something every other church but us has figured out. But for whatever reason, <laughs> like the skies opened that day, you know, so that, that <laughs> right. was something that worked for us. And so we're, we're right. trying to I, I think anything that sort of smooths that that um, that that just that lag time that exists. Uh, so we're still doing mm. it through the connection card. Um, yep, in terms great. of that, but just trying to get to that, you know, what is the quickest pathway to getting folks to avail that information to us without, uh, you know, guilt trip or compulsion or, or just weird, mm-hmm. or, um, you know, sort of tendencies to it. And then um, for hours served, it, we're really kind of measuring it through a couple of, of explicit rhythms. We do an, an experience mm-hmm. trip every year. We work with um, part. One of the neat things about sort of the way we were planted is, even though we're an autonomous church, we have great relationships with some of our suburban partners, and and so mm-hmm. we can become a great opportunity for them to come and see um, the redemptive work that's happening in the city. To not trust sure. local yep. groups, um, and so between um, their partnerships, the experience trips, those couple of all hands on deck service events. Um, we, we count numbers and hours and the amount of time kind of invested outside the walls of our building or within the walls of our building where strategy is, you know, sort of equipping for outside. Um, and then, and then all of our, we, our, our small groups are called neighborhood groups. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's an expectation, uh, for every group, um, in their rhythms. We say their rhythms are to pray together, play together, study together and serve together. Um, and specifically, we're trying to get them to serve within their neighborhood context. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, about half of our groups meet in our immediate zip code. But for the ones that don't, we, we kind of say, hey, there's opportunities in your neighborhood to, to make to make disciples through serving in ways that, you know, they, they, there's some there's some folks that have legitimately come to our church, um, found faith in Jesus through that expression. And so trying to just collect good data for how frequently they're going out as a community, what they're doing, how many of them, um, it is another way in which we're tracking those hours. So that, that, that's kind of the baseline. And, and again, that doesn't get into the weeds with every mentorship program. That's happening. right. Right. No, I get that. But, but just sort of give us like, Hey, are we calling people corporately, uh, and individually to live this out? Or are we just kind of saying, hey, we're a church for the city because that sounds like something Tim Keller would approve of us saying, you know? <laughs> you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It's, I can hear him saying that. Yeah, that's great. Oh, this has been fantastic. Thank you, Scott, for giving us just a really good insight into uh, the foundry and just what God's doing in your midst. Is there anything else you want to share uh, just before we wrap up for today uh, today's interview? Well, Rich, I just want to thank you. Um, I know I'm one of the people that benefits from the conversations you're having. And uh, so I just want to just offer you my, my thanks for the work that you do to equip us uh, as church planters and pastors and leaders, high capacity leaders out there. Oh, appreciate that. Thank you so much. Well, if people want to get in touch with the Foundry, follow along, that sort of thing, how can they do that? What's the Where should we be sending folks that are uh, want to learn more about you or about the church? Sure. Uh, FoundryBaltimore.com is our, our website. That's a great first pathway. Foundry Church Baltimore is, is the Facebook. Uh, and then if you want to get in contact with me directly, uh, Scott at is the, is the email address. Then, uh, Perfect. 
Well, that's great, Scott. Appreciate you being on the show today. Thank you so much. And we uh, just super excited. And I hope people will follow along and track with your, your story. I love, uh, love what's happening there. So thanks for being on the show today. Thanks, Rich. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter at Rich Birch or through email rich at unseminary.com. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com. It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.